Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show, The Big Show. The most exciting and important and critically acclaimed podcast that is recorded in our car. And today we are in the hemi. Why did I struggle with the word hemi? Because you only got halfway there, silly man. <sighs> we're in the hemi studio today, <laughs> and we're going to, we're talking, we got a mystery episode for you. It's a mystery what to is me. a mystery episode? A mystery episode is when one host, that would be me, knows the the topic of conversation and the other host, that would be Spice, has no idea what we're going to be talking about, but she's about to let loose and spout about it anyway, because not knowing anything about what the subject's going to be has, has never, never stopped, stopped me her. before. Never stopped her before. She's she has faith in my ability to run my mouth on any topic at the drop of a hat. That's right. We're gonna, but actually, on this topic, this is what they call in the industry. This one's a layup. <laughs> okay, so today's topic. Are you ready for it, Spice? Born ready. Ask the physiologist. What exactly is COVID nineteen, and how does it compare to other? "Quote unquote flus and or slash viruses." How's that for a slam dunk? Almost as if I've been reading about the topic lately, huh? If you're a longtime listener to this show, you will. Oh, may I throw? I am going to throw out one more more thing. Yeep. This one is a listening optional podcast because it's about to get real technical. And she's I was going pretty... to keep it civil. Hmm? I was going to keep it civil. But she's pretty good at doing this the civil thing. But I'm just saying, this one is this was more of a technical type thing. It's not going to get as technical as it could. Okay. So here's the deal: if you've been, if you're a longtime listener to the show, you'll be aware that, in my opinion, at least, a pandemic virus is the single. It was at the top of my risk factors for a serious disruption, and well. Yeah. As a matter of fact, we bought a lot of the equipment we've got four years ago because uh, we saw this one coming. But here you go. You've got a bunch of viruses running around in animals. The animals' species each have their own kinds of viruses. They carry them around. They don't cause those animals any more harm than a mild cold virus does to us. No symptoms are mild symptoms because the host and the virus are adapted to each other. But you've got that species living in close association with humans. So if one of the viruses in one of the members of the other species gets a mutation that allows it to transfer easily to humans and also transfer between humans, you have what's called a zoonotic disease because it, it was passed over from a different animal. And the virus comes into the new host, the human, and the virus and the human are not adapted to each other. And it is a much uglier situation. Because the immune system of the human has never been exposed to this before, we do have a small number of white blood cells that will be able to attack it because we make some white blood cells for almost any contingency. But since there are no many, so many options, you don't have very many cells that can react to any one unknown target. So immune responses are delayed and during that delay, the virus can breed itself up, cause very serious and, in fact, fatal outcomes. So this is one of those viruses. 
it was living in bats for a long time. It probably spent some time in a, a little Asian mammal that's not very well known called a pangolin. But eventually, one of the viruses in this coronavirus family mutated to a form that can infect humans, got over into the human population. It spreads among humans as a respiratory infection. So what this little guy is doing, it's a virus, which means it's got a protein coat. It's got some RNA on the inside that codes for the few things the virus needs to replicate itself. And it's got a little lipid envelope around the outside. It's not a living thing. It's not actually a live cell. What it does is it has little proteins on it that latch onto proteins on the surfaces of our cells. It injects its RNA into our cells, and it programs our cells to make more viruses. So that's what it's doing. It is hijacking the host cells and causing them to make new viruses. And then that starts to cause some kind, some respiratory problems. And then the immune system notices this foreign particle in there and causing changes. And the immune system comes in and tries to wipe it out. And that causes more signs and symptoms. And eventually you have a potentially fatal outcome. So how this looks. When the virus gets into somebody, it mostly gets in through the respiratory tract. It's in the little tiny little droplets of a phlegm and mucus that people cough out. So one person coughs it out, that gets inhaled by somebody else, and it starts infecting the cells that line their airways, and then the immune system starts going after it. There'll be a period of usually 3 to 14 days where that virus is replicating itself, and the immune system has noticed a little bit, and it started to attack. But there's no real symptoms yet because the response isn't strong enough. After uh, 10 days or so, the subject will usually start showing some symptoms. They'll get a little bit of dry cough and a fever. Those are the most common. They might get some other signs and symptoms. But that's the immune system starting to react to the damage that's being done to the respiratory tract. In about 80% of people who show symptoms... The immune system will get rid of it before it gets more serious. In the other 20%, that virus will keep infecting and it'll start to infect the lower airways down in the lungs more. It'll start causing a lot of inflammation in the lungs. It'll cause a lot of damage to the lungs. About 15% of the people who show any symptoms at all from this thing will end up needing to go to the hospital with it and get at least oxygen supplied uh, by nasal cannula. And about 5% of the people who develop any symptoms at all will end up getting such serious outcomes that they need to go on a ventilator with it, or at least have, have to go in intensive care. And some of those people need to be put on ventilators. At that point, it's a pretty ugly situation because only about 12% of the people who go on ventilators with this thing are ever coming off alive. In the other percentage of them, the immune system just gets so violent trying to get rid of the virus, and the virus is so hard to get rid of that there are fatal outcomes. So it's got uh, exactly how high the fatality rate is is debatable. We don't call them cases unless they develop any symptoms. There might be a lot of asymptomatic transmission where the immune system gets rid of it without symptoms. Don't really know yet. 
because we're not testing effectively for that yet. Once people show up with symptoms, they are a case. About 80% of those cases, oh, I had a tiny little cough and a little bit of a sore throat, so I got a swab and I had the virus. About 80% of those cases, the, the people are going to feel a little sick for a week or two, usually two weeks. But they won't need professional care, and they'll get over it. The other 20% is going to be feeling bad enough and short of breath enough. They're going to see the medical people. They're going to need to see the medical people for care. And there are some serious outcomes among that group. It is a little bit easier to transmit than influenza, but it transmits a little bit different. Influenzas are a different group of viruses. And with influenzas, it's mostly touching things and then touching yourself. This uh, COVID-19 does transmit that way, which is why all of the wash your hands messages are out there and why washing your hands is so effective because you can touch the thing with a virus on the surface and then you rub your face, you touch your food, you scratch an itch on an eye and you've got the virus in you. But COVID is also better at transmitting in little air droplets. So somebody who's standing five feet from you is talking to you. You don't notice that tiny little droplets of their body fluids are coming your way, but they are. And you can pick them up by inhaling. Transmits better through asymptomatic people just standing there talking to you than normal flus does. It's not as dangerous as SARS on a case-by-case basis. That's the most closely related virus most people are aware of. This actually is in the same family as the SARS virus that caused an epidemic a few years ago. But with the SARS epidemic, it was handled much more effectively in the early stages, where every single person who was exposed to SARS was tracked down and watched, and a lot of them were put under isolation for a couple weeks. It did not transmit in the asymptomatic form. So once people started showing any signs and symptoms, you jumped all over it and isolated them for two weeks, we got SARS stamped out. But this one transmits while it's asymptomatic. It got away. And we aren't even pretending to try and follow cases and transmissions anymore, which is the effective way to stop it. So honestly, we've got no really good tool for stopping this. Social isolation can slow it, but it generally can't stop it without the case tracking. And that's probably never going to happen because there are too many cases out there to do. If you go to the CDC website, they'll tell you, oh, yeah, we have 100,000 cases under investigation. They're not investigating those. They couldn't possibly. They don't have the manpower, the person power. Hong Kong and South Korea corral transmissions early by tracing down every case. And we're not going to be able to do that. So we're using social distancing to keep the spread slow enough to give us time to get vaccines mostly to give us time to not overwhelm the healthcare system with that 5% of people who need intensive care to try and keep it away from the people who are most vulnerable and to give us time to figure out how to treat it most effectively. That's where we are as we uh, do this podcast at the end of March 2020. Was there anything else you thought they might like to hear, Salty? Yes, I have questions. 
I have answers, maybe. First, am I right when I learn, when I read that the name COVID-19 is kind of shortened for the coronavirus that became prevalent in 2019? Coronavirus-induced disease first diagnosed in 2019. Right. COVID-19. The official name of the virus is actually SARS-2 2019 because it's in the same family as the syncytial uh, acute respiratory distress virus we called SARS. That one was SARS-1. This is a close relative. It's SARS-2. SARS-2 2019 is actually the official name of the virus, but we call the disease COVID-19. Right. The reason I bring this up is, you know, people originally have been calling it coronavirus, which is true. It is a coronavirus. That's the family it's in. All of the viruses in that family have a bunch of little, if you look at them under an electron microscope, it looks kind of like they're wearing a crown. Now, one of the... um one of the things that, that's been flowing around the internet, which was mm-hmm. one of the stupidest memes that I'd like to throw out there that is just not true, is that if you look at some veterinary med- medicines, they say they are a, they are basically a vaccine for coronavirus. Yeah. That's not this. And if you look at Lysol, it, the package has said for years it works on coronavirus. Well, yeah, guys. Cold viruses are also in the coronavirus family. Um, Some of the more serious ones like SARS and MERS were too, but that's just coincidental because they didn't go very far. There's a lot of very common viruses in the coronavirus family that infect a lot of different species. And this is one of that member. But saying that it's a coronavirus is kind of like saying a human being is a mammal. Yeah, it is a mammal, and there are lots of other mammals. And the characteristics of those mammals are different enough that protection against one is not protection against another. So Don't try a mousetrap on a tiger. Yeah, exactly. Or uh, comparing a human being to a uh, whale. The good news is we know something about coronaviruses in general, which is things like, hey, they really don't like soap and water. A couple of the common anti-sanitizers... Um, don't work really well against coronaviruses, but alcohol gel works great, and a lot of the other common ones work great, and soap and water works great. So we know some things that work well against it, and we've got a step up on vaccine uh, protection for it because it is of a family we know, but it is different enough that the immune system that protects against one does not effectively protect against another. So the vaccines for veterinary coronaviruses, not a thing. The um, other kinds of treatments that just kill all coronaviruses will work, but the vaccines won't. Uh, A lot of the coronaviruses that have been floating around for years in the human population causing colds, they're not the same thing as COVID-19. They're just in the same basic group. Okay. And... If you have, what is the one thing a person does? I don't want to get this disease. What is the one thing that will help prevent somebody from getting this disease more than anything else you could possibly do? It's got to be a pair, a closely related pair. Okay. 
you don't breathe air that has recently been breathed by anybody with it. And if you touch anything that has been in the vicinity of anybody with it, uh, really to an extent in the past several days, because it can live on some surfaces for several days, you make sure you get your hands clean before you handle your food or touch your face. This is not a new message. A lot of people are pushing it right now, but it is the answer to that question. I have considered starting to wear gloves. And I know gloves and just wearing gloves will do absolutely nothing to prevent the disease spread. Or very, very, very little. I get that. But I've been considering starting to wear gloves for one reason and one reason only is I tend to touch my face. And I think maybe wearing gloves might remind me, don't do that. It kind of depends. I've seen a lot of people new to wearing gloves um, put them on to work for the first time. Many of those people still touch their face a lot when they're wearing the gloves. In fact, I spend a lot of time telling people while the gloves are on, the gloves do not touch this or that thing. And one of those things they don't touch is your face. So... As a general rule, you just stick a pair of gloves on a person. It's not very effective for keeping them from touching their faces. People who have uh, worn gloves in lab for a long time as part of their work habits to keep from coming in contact with nasty things are much more likely to have the habit of when the gloves are on, the hands don't go to the face. And I wear them sometimes for that reason, because I've spent years training myself when the gloves are on, you don't touch your face you're very thoughtful about everywhere you put your hands while the gloves are on. So that's an ingrained habit in me. Okay, good thought. Now, let's say the one thing everybody's going to have to do, well, everybody who is not just flat living the next six, however many months off their preps is going to do, is go to the grocery store. Yeah. If you don't do anything else, you're going to go to the grocery store. Chances are you're going to go to the pharmacy if you have any need to do that. Those are a couple places you're going to be going. Any thoughts about how to not catch coronavirus at the grocery store? Go at the times when the places are least populated. Uh, I've, I went to a grocery store last week, which is kind of ironic because I had absolutely zero need to buy groceries and didn't need to buy anything for myself. Our town has a buy and deliver groceries for people who shouldn't be out in public right now program. And I was shopping for one of my community members. Community uh, service type thing. Yeah. Touching the groceries and handling the groceries and all that, you can just wipe down the groceries with uh, an alcohol wipe after you get back and you're okay. That wasn't a big risk. But it's really difficult to move around a grocery store without getting close to people. And I actually turned around and moved the other way once because I was following a woman about six foot back. She stopped to pick up some stuff and she coughed. And I'm like, I'm out. I turned around. I went back. But it was impossible to go through that entire store without getting within breathing distance of other human beings. That will be less if you go at a time of day when there are the least other human beings in there. And if when you go to check out, pick somebody who looks vibrant and healthy that day, frankly, because you don't shed nearly as much virus until you feel sick. You do spread some. But you don't spread nearly as much until you actually feel sick. So if they look tired or under the weather, go to the next line. I was in 
a grocery store this weekend because I had really actually we was giving me time to pick up some stuff. And there was another woman and I, and we were just standing there at, in the aisle. We were good six, seven, eight feet apart. And we were watching people in the aisle, and the aisle was packed with people. And, I mean, literally walking within a foot or two of each other, bumping up against each other. And we just kind of looked at each other, and we were both shaking our heads like, nah. Yeah. Nah, I'm not going into that. Just nah. You'd still get some of their air five minutes later, though. I know, but we didn't go, I didn't go down better. the aisle. I skipped it's the better. aisle. Yeah. I mean, it's just, no. So, yeah, the tiny little droplets will stay airborne for a while, and you can pick them up for a while. That's how, that's part of it. How about a mask? Masks. Uh, and the N95s actually prevent the viral particles from coming in, but most people don't have them, and they're hard to breathe through. Uh, the right up there. surgical masks it's, reduce transmission. Might be able to see. I opened up yeah. the sky vents because we might be able to see the eagle going. There going overhead. Right yeah. Right oh, yeah. there he is. White uh, bald eagle. Yeah. Lovely. Sorry, wait. Just looking at. The, sorry. Nope. Eagle. There was a shadow. Opened up the sky. What's sky like? Yeah. So it's it's actually to be fair, we didn't have to go to the grocery store. We preferred to have fresh dairy products and didn't judge the risk to be high enough to keep us away at this point in time. Right. But anyway, uh, yeah, we the don't. surgical masks will reduce viral particle because it'll stop the bigger droplets. They won't stop it because they aren't fine enough weave to stop it. They do put you at somewhat higher risk of other respiratory infections because they increase the humidity and stuff of the area uh, of the area breathing. So they actually... As if you breathe, have them on all day. Yeah, because some people were doing that, actually. And it was noticed that it was a problem. Surgical masks and the cloth masks that people are sewing are distinctly better than nothing, but they are not complete respiratory protection. The N95s are. Assuming you don't have a beard like me. Yeah, because then they don't make a good face seal. But they're still better than nothing. A heck of a lot better than nothing in that case. Um, okay. Now, to see, we're, we're, I'm kind of in a quandary. It's like, is it worth the risk at this point in time in southern Iowa where there's not been very many cases reported? Very, very, very few. In the rural parts here, they don't have many. Yeah. Is it worth stopping and picking up my favorite brand of cottage cheese? And if so, is it better to pick it up at Centerville? It would be better to or pick it up in Missouri on our way through. And where? In Missouri. Lancaster, maybe. Yeah, if they have it. If they have it. They might not. At the uh, C-Store. At this point, generally the smaller the town, the better. Because it's diffusing from the big cities out, mostly. That's a call you'll have to make for yourself. But, you know, that's the general trend of things. The small town groceries are, at this point in time... Safer than the big towns because more people come in contact in big towns. I, I know that the, the uh, like the Bloomfield grocery store, if we were to stop there, would be a lot less busy than the Centerville. Uh huh. So, I don't know. Is it worth it to get the kind of cheese I like? Risking your life. You're a big boy. You can decide for cottage cheese, mm. but not risking your life very much. And you know, wow, is look the, at all the eagles. Is that yeah. 
So it looks like you're going to have some birds to take pictures of while I go for my walk today. Yeah, I'm seeing... We're getting near the lake now. And a dozen eagles. So that is the characteristics of the virus. Did you have any other questions you thought they might like to hear about? Um, best guess as to how long this is going to burn. Well, my answer to that one is I really don't know. And nobody else does either. And nobody else does either. Uh because we don't know about mutations, we don't know how effective the social distancing is actually being in slowing progression through communities because it hasn't had as much effect so far as had been hoped. Where they did it with chasing down every case, it's been hugely effective. Where they've done it like Italy without being able to chase down every case, it's not showing the outcomes would hoped so far, but it's too early to be certain. Because it's barely over when they expect to start seeing the effects. So will there be another round in the fall? Will it cool down a little bit in the summer when it gets hotter and drier? Maybe, but we don't know. Will there be another round in the fall? Quite potentially. Will it be something that starts circulating and everybody gets exposed to eventually? But we handled it at a slower rate, so it's less catastrophic. That's also a possibility. Will, will there be a vaccine? Because this is one, this is this yeah. one isn't like some of these, this one isn't like AIDS, which is really complicated. We have vaccines in this family. AIDS was kind of out of the blue, which made it really hard. Uh, AIDS swaps its surface proteins enough that we've got a half a dozen vaccines for AIDS. Right, and but, but it took a long time. Yeah. But they, it just mutated away from the first six vaccines vaccines we made is the problem. Will COVID-19 do that? It doesn't seem to be as bad about that as some viruses. 1918 was bad. Well, it, it wasn't that it mutated so many times. It just it mutated to something that was just really bad. They've already tried a virus trial, but it's a very new kind of vaccine, and they don't know if it's going to work yet. It's a, well, theoretically, this might work, and we can try it right away. So they're trying it, but they don't know, and it'll be a while before they know. And even if it works great, folks, it's going to be at least another year, I think, before they can produce it in quantity. Because producing mass quantity of reliable vaccines is just not easy. And not many places can do it. It's not something you can crank up a unsuitable place to vaccine production in a hurry. It's going to be a while, I think. So I think we're in it for the long run. I think we're in a fairly hot phase all summer long would be my best guess. But I'm not putting a lot of confidence in that guess. I am putting a lot of confidence in the fact that there's a lot of birds out there. Yes, but they are not pelicans. No, they're not. They're gulls. There's a lot of gulls, though. Oh, oh we're at the lake. Now yes, we're... we have arrived at the lake and we have, we have started looking for birds. We're looking... Uh, I'm about done here anyway, but not only do I not know, the reason I don't know is because I've been reading the best experts I could find and the people who are honest about it are admitting they don't really know either. So no good answer to that. I'm not seeing pelicans. I'm not. Shall we sign this off? Yes. We're going to sign this off. Yeah. We're, I see geese. I see it's worth being here, uh, but uh, I'm not seeing pelicans yet. Okay. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.